you know, we can really thank God for his faithfulness over the last year. And I know that many of you are here, and last year has been a difficult year. But you know what? God has been faithful and has taken you through, and, and he is, will continue to be faithful for all that this incoming year uh, holds for us. And the title this morning that I really felt God put in my heart was, Are You Up For God Changes In 2020? You know, we have a God who is constantly moving. He's constantly loves us and wants to see us being changed into his likeness moment by moment. He's a God who, who loves us and walks with us. And last, uh, at the end of last year, the last time that we met together, just before Christmas, we, we looked at that story in John 4, at the end of John 4, about how Jesus had challenged this officer to step into a greater level of faith. And we were, we were, um, we were challenged to do that, to have faith in God. And as we continue now to move into chapter 5 of John's Gospel, we're going to see that as Jesus moves, and he was moving towards Jerusalem, and he was moving towards the cross, and we're going to see that as Jesus moves, he wants us to be freshly challenged. This is a new year. There's a fresh challenge for this year. And he wants us to be freshly challenged about our spiritual walk in 2020. And we're going to see, as we look at this story, we're going to see that we can't do this. We can make no permanent God changes in our life without the help of the Holy Spirit. We can't do it in our own self-effort. We can't do it by gritting our teeth and hoping that we're going to be better this year and do better this year than we did last year. We can only do it by his grace and by the power of his Holy Spirit. And we agree. So we're going to look at this story and we're going to uh, read the first four verses of John chapter 5. And here's what it says. After this, there was a feast of the Jews and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool, which is called in the Hebrew Bethesda, having five porches. You'll notice that it says there was a feast of the Jews. Now we don't know what feast that was. You know that there were different feasts like Passover, uh, and we're not sure what it was, although we're going to see that there are some people who speculate and think this might have been the feast of Pentecost. <coughs> when the Holy Spirit came and when the Jews remembered the giving of the law. So just bear that in your mind. But anyhow, Jesus came up to Jerusalem and he came to this sheep gate where there was a pool beside it called Bethesda. Verse 3, in, these, in this pool lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water. Then whoever stepped in first, after the stirring of the water, was made well of whatever disease that he had. So we're going to just look at those first four verses and then we'll move on to the particular man who was at this pool. And you'll see that the heading that I have put here, that Jesus goes to the sheep gate. Now the sheep gate was quite near the temple. And the sheep gate uh, was actually, it's mentioned in Nehemiah 1 where it was built up again. and It was the gate where beside the sheep gate there was the market where the animals who were sacrificed, that's where they were bought and sold, uh, at this marketplace which was beside the sheep gate. And uh, this marketplace was where people came to buy their sacrifice for their sin. And then uh, the animal was washed in the pool and was brought directly into the temple. And I just wanted to explain that to you because 
I kept thinking, when I was reading this, these verses, I kept thinking, I wonder what it was like for Jesus to go to this pool of Bethesda and to pass by the sheep, pool, the sheep gate and to be reminded that the animal sacrifices that were bought and sold there, that were going to be washed in the pool and then brought as a sacrifice for sin. I wonder what he thought, looking at the surroundings, looking at the sheep gate, being reminded of the sacrifice. I wonder what he felt. I wonder what his emotions were when he knew in his heart that he was going to fulfill the true meaning of the sheep gate. That he was going to be led as a lamb to the slaughter and he was going to be the final sacrifice. And I think that's a very, very powerful thought because as he stopped at this sheep gate, and by the way, many scholars believe that originally, way back, that this gate may have been called the lamb's gate. And, and I believe that as Jesus was at this particular place, going to this pool of Bethesda, beside the sheep gate, that he was remembered of the ultimate sacrifice that he would make for you and for me. That he would be the one, the sheep that was led as a lamb before her shears was done. That he opened not his mouth, but gave himself as a sacrifice for us. So that's the first thing that we need to be reminded of. That Jesus was going to give himself as that sheep. Let me just read to you from Isaiah 53 because I think sometimes we we remember this and maybe some of us have learnt it in Sunday school but actually uh, it's a bit like uh, it's like a bit like poetry we rhyme it off and we don't actually think of it. Um, let's just read a few verses from Isaiah uh, 53. Surely he has borne our griefs, our sicknesses our griefs that word also means sicknesses and pains and he's carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken and smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded. Some translations say he was beaten for our transgressions. He was bruised. Another translation says he was crushed for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on Jesus the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. He was laid as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before its shearers is silent. So he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment. And he did all of this. For, for us, for the transgression of my people was he stricken. We know that Jesus went through all of this. Jesus, and when he looked at that sheep gate, I have no doubt in my mind that he was thinking of Isaiah 53, that he was thinking he was going to be the sheep who would be the final sacrifice, the one who would give his life for you and for me. But here's the thing. Not only did he go to the, the sheep gate, uh, but also... Uh, as he was heading towards this pool, uh, a way back uh, in that time in history, we don't, we can't see the sheep gate now. It's not there anymore, but we know roughly where it was because we we know the area around Jerusalem. But very near to where the sheep gate was in the 16th century, I think this is quite fascinating. In the 16th century, they built a gate, another gate, and they called it the Lion Gate. And I think that's quite amazing because when you think it's in the area of where the, the site of the sheep gate, we're reminded that, that even, uh, even 
what man does without realising it. In the 16th century, why did they call the gate the land gate? But they built a gate right beside the sheep gate and we're reminded of, of the kingdom of God that's coming. We're, remem- we're reminded not only that Jesus was the, the sheep who, who gave his life for us, who went and, and, and was slaughtered for us, but we're reminded that prophecy says that he will return and he will return as the lion of the tribe of Judah. And he is coming back and he's going to set up his kingdom. And we're going to see a time in history where the lion will lie down with the lamb. And, and we read about that in, in Isaiah uh, chapter 11, verse 6. But we also read in Revelation 5, uh, verses 5 to 6. Here's what it says. Behold the lion, the root of David, has prevailed. And it says, and I looked and behold in the midst of the throne and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as though it had just been freshly slain. Isn't it amazing that throughout eternity we will see Jesus reigning like that lion of the tribe of Judah, but we'll always remember, it'll just be like a fresh thing to us. We'll remember that he was the Lamb of God who came to die for our sins. Behold the Lamb of God, John said in the beginning of John's Gospel. And you know, throughout eternity, I think we're going to be just completely overwhelmed every time we look at his greatness and his splendor and the power of the lion of the tribe of Judah. We're going to immediately remember the Lamb of God who came and gave his life for us. The the one who came to die for us so that we could be with him throughout eternity. Do you know that God has a place for you in his kingdom? And he's going to set up his kingdom. And the way this world's going right now, it mightn't be too long. In fact, I have been thinking to myself for quite a while now, 2020 could be the year he comes back. Actually, we need to lift up our head and realise he's coming. He really is coming back. And he's going to set up his kingdom. And all this stuff that we see, the world going crazy, the climate the, the things that are happening, uh, the, the, the changes in, in our values and in society. When we see the way things and the very, the very uh, word of God is being broken on every side, I tell you, he is coming back and he's going to set up his kingdom and he's going to make all things right. And I think that should give us an encouragement because, you know, the things in your life that are hurting right now and the things that you've gone through over the last year, do you know that God is working to take you through those things? And he wants to take you through and he wants to bless you and comfort you and he wants you to know you have a future and a hope and he wants you to know that he is bringing you into his kingdom and you're going to reign with him and we have purpose on this earth when we remember these things. So we see that he, he came to the sheep, the sheep gate, but we also see that he was moving on to come to this pool of Bethesda. Now, the pool of Bethesda, up until uh, the uh, 19th century, people didn't actually believe that there was such a place. You know the way people say, oh, there's no such place as that. That's, that's just a story. Well, would you, get, would you know that in, in 1888, that actually there were archaeologists who excavated around Jerusalem and they found this very place with the five porches and a lot of it still intact because God's word is true. And scientists live sometimes and historians live sometimes to see the, the, to learn and to find out that what they've read about in the Bible 
they eventually find out that it is true. And very often, archaeology is what proves that. And so, uh, this name Bethesda, there's different ways of spelling it, but uh, it's actually, we believe it may have come from the Aramaic language, which translates Bethesda as House of Mercy. And surely this pool was a house of mercy. And surely this place today is God's house of mercy. And as we meet together, do you know, God is here in all his loving kindness and all his mercy. Just as we've been singing, his mercies are new every morning. And this is a house of morning, a house of mercy. And you're here today. And if you need mercy, God can give you mercy today. And this pool had five porches. Now, I sometimes look up with a, a commentary by a guy called John uh, John J O N Kirsten. I can never pronounce it. C O U R S E N. I think you pronounce it. But he actually points out that five. There were five porches in this at this pool. And he points out that the Pentateuch, which is the first five books of the Bible, uh, that the Jews, of course, they're really into the Torah. The Torah is the first five books of the, of the, of the, of the Bible. And, and Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Those five books gave the Jewish religion the law. And so a lot of people believe, or some people believe, that, that this feast may actually have been, because of some of the stuff I'm going to tell you now, that it might have actually been around Pentecost, because the time of Pentecost, we, we remember that the Holy Spirit came, but the Jews, they, they remembered Pentecost as the time that God gave the law, right? So uh, five, five porches, some people suggest, that it speaks of the five, first five books of the Bible, speaks about how the law was given. But more than that, according to this commentary, they, the way that the five porches, the way that they were built, that it actually looked, it physically looked like the tables of the law. You know the way there was tablets, the stones, the tablets of the law, that actually it looked like that. So this place may actually, the, the pool of Bethesda, may actually have been like a visual aid of the giving of the law. And when you think about the tradition, and, and there seems that there was a tradition, that when the waters were moved, and we don't know if that was a spring bubbling up or whether there really was an angel coming or whatever, but it seems there was a tradition that when the waters moved, that the first person who could get in there, that they would be healed. Now, do you see how this, if, if this pool looked like a visual aid of the law, isn't it a bit like how the law says you've got to do well, you've got to be first, you've got to keep all, you've got to do it yourself, self-effort. The law is all about how, it's, the law simply, we couldn't keep the law. And, and isn't it a picture of how this, the person who got there first, who had the greatest self-effort, they, they could jump in first. And could you imagine all these people, all these blind and lame and paralyzed people, all spread around this pool, and if the, if the water's moved, everybody's starting to try and get to the edge of the pool. And just when you would get to the very edge and you're just about to jump in, somebody jump in front of you. Could you just imagine what that was like? Could you imagine the kind of emotions that would bring up? Could you imagine the, the, the anger and the unjustness of it? And being passed over and being somebody else getting in just as you're about to, to do it. Somebody got in before you. Can you see the frustration? And you see the laws a bit like that. We can't keep the law. The Ten Commandments and all, the, all that went with the Ten Commandments, we just couldn't do it in our own flesh. And this man who we're going to read about now, this particular man who was at, sitting at this pool, 
he, he had been trying for a long time in his own efforts to get into that pool and he just couldn't do it. And so this tradition about uh, at, at this particular pool is a picture of how when we just try, you know, there's still a lot of people I know when I was growing up, there was a lot of people who said, oh, if you were a Christian, it meant that you were good living. Did you ever hear that, that terminology, that you were good living? I'm just checking that I've got my recorder I have. Um, and it was like, if you, if you tried to live a good life and you tried to obey all the Ten Commandments, then you were going to get into heaven. Now, isn't there, there's, I think there's still some people around who, who actually believe that. But you know, the Bible makes it clear that we could never possibly keep the Ten Commandments. We can't get to heaven, we can't live a victorious Christian life by trying to do it through our own efforts. We can only do it through the power of the Holy Spirit and the name of Jesus. And so all these broken people were waiting for their opportunity to get in first. And I just wrote in your notes here, life is a bit like this scene, isn't it? We're all waiting for our moment when we will finally make it. When we will meet that special person maybe and get married. When maybe we win the lottery. Maybe we get that special job. Maybe we'll finally retire and be able to do all the things that we've dreamed about. Maybe we'll have enough money to, to do all the things that we've been longing to do all our life. Maybe we'll get the all clear health wise. Maybe the whole family will be finally sorted and everything will be hunky dory. Maybe, maybe, maybe we'll sort things out and eventually everything will be right. And you know, there's a lot of us and we, we live life like that, trying to sort things out in our own effort, trying as it, as it were to make it to the pool, trying to get our miracle. And when it doesn't happen, happen for us, you know, I believe many of us end up very disappointed and very disillusioned. Because life can be hard. And sometimes the enemy would try to tell us, what are you even trying for? Sometimes the enemy just wants us to turn away from God and to think, I can't do this and God's not with me at all. But let's read the next few verses. John chapter 5, verse 5. Now a certain man was there who had an infirmity for 38 years. And when Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he already had been in that condition a long time, he said to him, Do you want to be made well? The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I am coming, another steps down before me. And Jesus said to him, Rise, take up your bed and walk. And immediately the man was made well. He took up his bed and he walked. And that day was the Sabbath. The Jews therefore said to Jesus, The Jews therefore said to him who was cured, It is the Sabbath. It is not lawful for you to carry your bed on the Sabbath. And he answered them, He who made me well said to me, Take up your bed and walk. Then they asked him, Who is the man who said to you, Take up your bed and walk? But the one who was healed uh, did not know who it was, for Jesus had withdrawn, a multitude being in that place. Afterwards Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See, you have been made well. Sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon you. And the man departed and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had made him well. Okay, so Jesus came and he, he came and he saw all of these sick and paralyzed and blind people uh, who were waiting for this miracle, waiting for their own miracle. 
And it tells us that he saw this particular man who was 38 years old. Now, I think this is very interesting, that the, that the age of this man is given. And you see, scripture, there's, script, there's nothing in Scripture that's just there by chance. I'm, I'm amazed, the more I study God's Word, the depth and the, the, the detail that we can learn when we look into it and, and ask the Holy Spirit to open our hearts. And when we read a little bit as well, it's really good to read commentaries and to ask God to, to lead you. And I was lying in bed last night, and I had this all typed up, and I was lying in bed and just suddenly had this thought, why don't you just look up that particular commentary of John Kirsten's commentary? I hadn't looked at it for a very long time. And I, I just thought, do you know what I'm going to do that? And I got the phone out in the dark and I looked it up it's on my phone. And do you know what I learned? Uh, that this man was 38 years old. Do you know that in Deuteronomy 2 verse 14, it talks about Israel and the failures of Israel as they went through the wilderness. And it, it says that from they went from Kadesh Barnea, which was the entry point where they actually should have gone into the promised land. It says that for 38 years they wandered in the desert until finally all of the, the fighting men who didn't believe. Remember, they couldn't enter in because they didn't believe. For 38 years that they it actually gives us in, in Deuteronomy. And I just thought, wow, this man is almost like a picture of the failure of the law, of the failure of the Israelites to be able to keep the law or do things on their own effort. They couldn't do it. And, and you know, the Bible is so beautiful and there's so much to it. And God wants you to know, I believe this morning, he wants you to know that you're to stop trying to do stuff by gritting your teeth and saying, I'm going to do better. Because you can't do better. But I'll tell you something. When you repent of your old ways and you repent of all that trying and self-effort and, and trying to... And I actually felt last night as I was lying in bed and meditating on this, I thought, I'm sure this man who was, who was lying on this, beside this pool, I'm sure if he could have manipulated or controlled somebody to get him into the water first... He would have done it. And how many of us are trying to get through life on our own effort, trying to manipulate people to do stuff for us, trying to work out things that we get what we want out of life. How many of us are like that? And this man was trying... Actually, let's, did we just notice that wee point where he said, when he talked to Jesus, he said, when Jesus saw him lying there, he, he asked him, do you want to be made well? And the man said, uh, Sir... I have no man to put me into the pool. He was looking for the help of a man. He was looking for somebody to fix it for him. He was, his dependence was on his own self-effort, plus if he could just manipulate or get somebody else to actually help him, to push him in, that he would have his miracle. And you know what? We will not see God working in our lives through trying to manipulate or control. In fact, those are things we need to repent of. And so many of us do it without even thinking. We try to manipulate other people. We try to, to get things the way we want. But do you know what? God says that when we renounce things, when we repent of doing it the wrong way and turn to him by the power of his spirit, we can begin to get well. We can begin to be whole. We can begin to have victory in our lives. And this man was looking for somebody to come and help him. 
and all the time the saviour of the world, all the time the creator of the universe, the one who could heal, the one who could do any, nothing was too hard for, all the while Jesus was standing in front of him. And in one word Jesus said, rise, take up your bed and walk. And immediately that man was able to do it. Do you know something? I believe there are some of us here this morning and we've tried to get over certain things in our lives. We've tried to move into a new place in Christ and we've failed. And we're a bit like the the 38 years in the wilderness. We've gone round in circles. But God's saying it's time to stop going round in the circles. God's saying it's time to move in. It's 2020. It's time to move in and begin to live in a way that you thought you couldn't live. Because, listen, we have the Holy Spirit in us. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, we can live in ways that are victorious. We can experience a victorious Christian walk. This man couldn't walk until Jesus said, rise up. Take your bed and walk. Do you know what? This man had no idea of the power of the words of Jesus. And we need to have a fresh revelation that when he speaks his word, there's power in his word. You know, Psalm 107 says that he sent forth his word and he healed him. And you know, when God speaks his word to you, and if your heart's open today, and you're willing to receive a word from God, if, you're, if you've come here with an open spirit, ready to receive a word from God, I'm telling you that you can receive a word from God's heart to yours today. And that word would have power in it to actually get you up and walking and living through 2020 in a way you never thought you could. I'm telling you there is power in God's word. And we need to actually receive it and to step into it. And, and I often have a picture of this man at the pool. And I suppose I think of him lying on his bed and not able to get up off the bed. But whenever Jesus spoke the word, he put the bed on his head and walked out. And you know what? The thing that keeps you lying down, the thing that you just can't seem to rise up from, that besetting sin or that problem or that thing in the past that hurt you or that loss or that bereavement or, or that, that terrible situation or that addiction or whatever it might be or that fear. It could be any of those things. Whatever that is, that can keep you lying on your bed, as it were, or your spiritual bed. It can stop you getting up to walk the Christian life. And I believe today that God wants to say to us at the beginning of this year that he's ready if you are, that he wants to speak his word into your heart this morning. You see, when Jesus looked at this man, it says that he, he saw him and he knew that he had been there a long time. And I wanted to say to you, this to you this morning, and I felt this really, really strongly. Do you know that Jesus sees you? Look, I see you. And we look at each other and we see each other. But Jesus really sees you. He sees what's going on in your mind. He sees the turmoil in your heart. He sees the regret. He sees the pain of the past. He sees the remorse. He sees the failure. He sees your, your, your disappointment. This man at the pool had been so disappointed for such a very long time. Jesus saw his disappointment. Jesus knew he had been there. The Bible says it. Jesus saw him and knew that he had been there for a long time. And I'll tell you what, the Lord looks at you and he sees you as no other human being sees you. And he knows how long you've been stuck at that particular point in your life. He knows exactly how long you have suffered 
He knows exactly what's been going on in your life. And he wants you to know that he cares for you. And wasn't this a very strange question that Jesus asked this man? He said, do you want to be made well? Now, we might think that's a stupid question. Do you want to be made well? But I tell you, Jesus doesn't ask stupid questions. And I believe that the Lord knew that if this man really wanted to be made well, he was going to have to make some life changes. And that's exactly what I want to challenge. And I'm challenging myself with this this morning. Because I believe that God wants us to move into a new place with him this year. I believe he wants us to rise up and start walking in a different way. I believe he wants to give us more power this year. He wants to give us more of his grace. He wants to give us more spiritual vision. And this morning we've been praying in the, in the prayer and God spoke to me yesterday morning really clearly about, and you can read it when you go home, I don't think we'll have time to read it, but Ephesians, the end of Ephesians chapter 1 talks about how God is able to give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Jerry's Bible said where we would, be, we would have a flood of light into our understanding where we would have a new way of seeing things, where we begin to see things from God's perspective instead of our perspective, and where we begin to allow him to give us, bring change into, into our lives, that we might have a fresh understanding that we are actually seated in heavenly places in Christ, and that all the principalities and all the powers and all the things that, that come against us, that the enemy sends against us, are actually under our feet. And when we get a revelation of truth, we can begin to rise up and walk and live in a different way. And that's what I believe God wants to say to us at the beginning of this year. And I wrote in your notes, at the beginning of this new year, we may ask ourselves the same question. Do we really want to be spiritually well? Are we ready and willing for the lifestyle change that God may require of us? God wants to change us in a beautiful way, not to take away from us, but to give us, to bless us, to empower us, and to lift us up into a new way of living. This man thought he needed a man to help him. All he needed was Jesus. And it says that Jesus healed him on the Sabbath. You see, when Jesus said, take up your bed and walk, immediately the religious people, they were right in there. The law says you can't, you can't carry your, your bed on the Sabbath. They were right in there to accuse Jesus. And even though Jesus knew that he was going to be criticised, that he was going to be actually persecuted, if you read on to the end of the chapter where they brought persecution against him, even though he knew the cost of healing this man, he was still committed to see this man healed. And I want to tell you that Jesus will fight your corner for you. And Jesus wants you to start walking. And he wants you to rise up from where you are. And he wants you to know that he wants to bless you at all costs. And he's already paid the ultimate cost for you so that you could be free, so that you could walk. But here's, here's, here's the thing, and I really feel this really important for us today. It says that later Jesus found this man in the temple. So I tell you what, the wee man was healed and he didn't actually know who it was. He didn't even know the name of Jesus, but he knew he'd been healed. But you know what he did? He went straight to the temple. He, he went straight to thank God. He knew that much. And he was thanking God at the temple when Jesus came to him. And here's what Jesus said to him. Sin no more, lest a worse thing comes upon you. Now, I want to really get this across that you really hear me on this. Because 
In other places, and specifically in John chapter 9, there's a story about a blind man. And a, a lot of the religious people said, this man's blind, who sent him or his, or, his, or his parents? And Jesus said, neither the blind man nor his parents, they didn't sin. In other words, Jesus said in John chapter 9, that being blind or suffering was not the cause of some sin, some hidden sin. But Jesus said it was so that the man was blind so that the works of God could, and the power of God could be demonstrated through his life. Now that's a very interesting thing. It's a very interesting point for us to think about. Somebody asked me yesterday, why do all these bad things happen? And you know, I, believe, I don't believe God brings bad things upon our lives. I, I don't believe that. God's a good God. But we live in a broken world. And we live in a world where, where there are hard things. And there's a mystery about some of the things that happen to us in our lives. But you know this, God can take the worst situation and he can actually be glorified in our lives if we allow him to come and heal us and come and do a work in us through hard things. But so I'm saying clearly that because you're sick or because you suffer, it does not mean that there's some hidden secret sin that's, I'm just wanting to clarify that because I have heard people actually suggest that is not what the Bible says. But in this particular case, Jesus said something to this man that was very, very interesting. He said to this man, sin no more in case a worse thing comes upon you. In other words, he was saying to this man, I have healed you. Now I want you to live in a different way. And if you don't take the opportunity to live in a different way, the same situation can come back onto you again. You'll open up the way for it to come back onto you and you might, it might even be worse. And that's what I want to pick up today because here's the thing. He was warning this man to change his lifestyle so that this man could continue to walk in his healing. Yeah. Now, I want to say this and I want to say it really, really clearly and I've written it in your notes. It's a known fact that some sins such as worry, stress, fear, self-pity, bitterness, unresolved grief, sexual sin, and there's so many other things that we can go into, negative emotions, that actually can lead to sickness and lead to suffering. And, you know, as I thought about this, I, I looked up on Google, and here's what it said. Too much stress can suppress your immune system and cause you to get sick more easily. Prolonged periods of stress can also increase your risk of diseases. According to a study, stress is a factor in five out of six leading causes of death. Heart disease, cancer, stroke, lower respiratory disease and accidents. An estimated 75 to 90% of all doctor visits are for stress-related issues. Now, isn't that amazing? And you see, a lot of us actually have received Jesus as our saviour and we know our sins are forgiven and we're going to heaven. But we're still living stressful lives. We're still worried. We talk about being worried sick. That's because worry brings sickness on. And God wants us to rise up and start to walk in trust and faith in a saviour who is able to control all things 
and who can work even the worst things that might happen to us, he can work them around and actually work them around to bring blessing to us and, th- and through us to other people. We have a God who wants us to rise up. And I'll tell you, I'm perfectly aware that for many of you, that I'm very, very aware that there's things that have happened that you could just lay down. You could just lie there because it's been hard. I know it's been hard. I tell you, I look back in my life and I can see times in my life when it's been hard. And, and I was talking to someone yesterday and she's, this person said, you know, I just can't understand why it's been so hard. Why is it so hard? We can't, there's a mystery. We don't know why life is so hard, particularly for certain people. There's things that happen that we can't just say, oh, this and this. We don't understand, but this we do know, that God sent his son to give us victory even in the hard places, that we can actually rise and take up our bed and walk. And that thing that's trying to keep you down, that thing that's trying to pull you down into a place of despair and disappointment and no hope for the future, that very thing Jesus would say to you today, rise, step up. Look to me. Take your eyes off everybody else that you're looking for help for. Look to me. And as you look to me, I will do it for you by my spirit. I will begin to work through you, to empower you, to give you a fresh revelation of how to live for me. I I really believe this fresh revelation, it's a fresh seeing with your spiritual eyes who God is. And when you see who God is and what he wants to do in your life and in the life and the world around you, as you begin to see things from his perspective, as you begin to see bad things that happen in this world from the eyes of God, as you begin to bring it to him and say, Lord, show me how to pray. Show me how to turn things around. What do you think about these things? Help me to come into agreement with you. As we begin to get revelation, spiritual sight, we will begin to come into agreement with God and we begin to walk in victory. I really believe that God wants us this year, 2020, I've said it now for a long time, I believe God wants to give us, the Americans talk about perfect eyesight as 2020 eyesight, isn't that right? God wants to give us 2020 spiritual vision. And when we see things from God's word's point of view, from, from the throne, See, God sits on the throne and he looks down. And, and if, you read, if, if you read Ephesians chapter 1, you'll see that we are also seated with him. Spiritually speaking, we are seated in Christ and all this trouble is under our feet. And we are in Christ, sitting above it. If we could begin to see that and realize that we're living from a point of victory, that we, it's already been done. And we can't live this life apart from the work that Jesus did when he went through the sheep gate. When he, went, when he went to the cross, when he died for your sins and for mine, he did more than to forgive us our sin. He died and rose again to give us victory. And the one who went through the sheep gate for you is the one who can actually lift you now. And he can say to you, get up off your bed, rise and start walking for me. And this man started to walk, a man who couldn't walk at all, was on his feet. And instead of lying on top of the bed, the bed was now on his head. 
And that thing that, that, that's pulling you down, that's making you lie down in despair, God wants to say to you today, I believe it with all my heart. I've asked the Lord to help me to speak this with his anointing and with his power so that it might go right into your heart. I've prayed about this because I believe that you could miss it this morning. I'm asking you now to open up your heart and be open to this. God wants to speak a word into your heart that says, rise up that thing that you're lying on that's keeping you down there. I want you to walk out of here holding it up here. Victory above your head. In the east, they carried things on their head. He was lying on the bed, but he was out with the bed on his head. And I believe today God wants us to receive his word. He sent forth his word and he healed them. He wants to do a mighty work in your life and in mine. Something to think about. Even though this man was healed, Jesus knew that he needed to change his lifestyle in order to continue to walk freely. But self-effort is not enough. We can't change until we have a revelation of what Jesus accomplished for us at the Sheep Gate. His sacrifice empowers us to walk in victory. And as we continue to look into the face of our Saviour, and see life from his perspective. In other words, have ongoing, fresh revelation as to what he is saying to you and what he is doing in you. We will be changed from glory to glory, and the world will see God's power at work in us. We will be changed from glory to glory. I wanted to read a couple of verses here. You know, so many of us are still trying to live the Christian life from the law's perspective. We're still trying to do on our own strength. We're still trying to overcome uh, the, the stuff that gets us down. We're, we're trying to overcome worry and stress and problems and bereavements and loss and all of that stuff and you know it's only by God's grace it's only as we give him our woundedness it's only as we as we give him all the stuff that we can't do and we hand it over to him and we repent of trying to work it out ourselves I've been really struck this past few days of the power of repentance the power of renouncing old ways of doing things when we say, Lord, I really mean it, life and death in the power of our tongue at the beginning of this year. And when we say, Lord, I'm tired of doing this this old way, I'm tired of lying on this bed of despair, I'm tired of having no hope in my life, I'm tired of being constantly overcome by the same problem, the same addiction, whatever it might be. When we repent of that and we renounce it and we say, Lord, with your help, I'm speaking out words to you. And with your help, will you help me to rise up above this? And to live in a different way this year. Do you know what? The Holy Spirit will begin to do that. I have been so struck by the power of God on this. This is the way it works, folks. It's simple. And yet we, we seem to get down under it again and again and again. But God wants us to know that when we keep our eyes on Jesus. And trust him for the problem. And know that he sees the problem in a different way to we do. I was talking to somebody yesterday and she said, you know, it was all full of all this stuff and I was annoyed about this and annoyed about that and complaining about this and complaining about that. And she said, I really felt God said to me, you're seeing things the wrong way. And she started then to think, well, what way does God see it? And she began to think, oh, right enough, well, that could be, you know, she hated her job. And she began to think, actually, do you know what? 
I could actually do that for God. That could, I could bless those people for God. And began to think differently. And you know, she said she felt great. She felt released. And all the stuff that had been getting her down, all of a sudden she was seeing it from God's perspective and seeing things as an opportunity to actually be ministering for God. And when she realized that, everything changed. And when we keep our eyes on the Lord and every challenge that comes our way, we say, God, this, this could wipe me out. This could destroy me. But I know that it's not up to me. God, you've already won the victory. Jesus, you won the victory when you went to the cross. It all happened at the sheep gate. And when we realize that we can come and we can be empowered, and it's not by the law, it's not, it's not this pool. They, they had a tradition that the angel troubled the waters. It maybe was just a tradition. Maybe somebody did get healed there. We don't really know. The word for, for pool there apparently means where it was like a spring, a deep, deep waters where a spring might have come up. Sure, there might have been, but it might have been a superstitious thing. I don't know. But it certainly spoke about self-effort and trying to get in before somebody else. And you see, that's what so many of us are trying to do. We're trying to live life on our own strategy, in our own energy, trying to use other people. And we're not depending on God. And I'm speaking to myself here because I want to make some changes this year. And I know the things that God's speaking to me about. What's he speaking to you about? What's making you lay down on your bed and God's saying, rise up. Take up your bed and walk. God wants us to walk spiritually in a different way this year, in a new level. He wants us to have a fresh understanding, a flood of light in our understanding. That we begin to see things from his point of view. And we do it as we look into his face. The chapter in 2 Corinthians 3. That whole chapter is actually about the law and the spirit. And about how when we try to live by the law it just condemns us. But when we begin to live by the spirit. we, the, You see, let me read this to you. It says. I'm looking to see where I'm going to start. To this day, when Moses is read, that's the law, a veil lies on their heart. Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. The veil speaks of blindness. And this world is blind, and the Jewish people, generally speaking, that veil, the law actually is so, has blinded them to the truth that Jesus came, that he would fulfill the law so that he could be the final perfect sacrifice that we could live by the Spirit. And that we could actually live with the Spirit in our hearts to empower us to live for God in a new way. Here's what it says. Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord... We are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. So this morning I'm saying to you, here's the deal. God wants you to stop forcing yourself and striving and stressing to do better. He wants you to renounce all of that stuff and he wants you to trust put your trust in him and to speak it with your mouth lord i want to follow you by the power of your spirit 
and I'm going to trust you to work all of these things that I'm concerned about. I'm going to trust you to work them all together for good so that my life can actually be a sign and a wonder to those around me. That, that my life will glorify the power of God, just like that blind man in John 9. That people will see a change in your life. That you will represent Jesus well. And God wants to do a miracle in all of our lives this morning. As I was in Fortaventura over the holidays and, and was so blessed to be able to get away, you know, the last few times, especially the last time in the summer, I, I think I shared with you how I wanted to go in deep into the water and it was like going up to the west and higher, you know. But I tell you, it was a lot colder this time of the year. So I wasn't like going into the, I wasn't going into the, the, the water so much. I was a bit up to the legs here and that was it. But, you know, I started to walk along the sand and really pace it out, you know, along the sand. And I just felt in my spirit as I was walking, I was reminded of how God sent the angel of the Lord to go in front of the children of Israel as they walked through the wilderness. And I was reminded that if it only kept their eyes, I believe the angel of the Lord was actually Jesus. And we read about it in the, in the Old Testament. But this picture, I, as I was striding up the strand, I was thinking, Lord, I'm walking up the sand here, but you're in front of me, and I'm just following you. And you know what? We're following him, but he's empowering us to do it. And he's walking with us, and he's purpose. And I was walking really fast. Like, I was really going for it, keep myself warm. And I was going for it along the sand. And I was so reminded that Jesus wants us to follow him with purpose. He's going somewhere, and he wants you to follow him and know that he wants you to go with him because he has purpose for you. And this morning... May, by the grace of God, may your heart be open to receive whatever word the Holy Spirit is putting into your heart right now. But I believe the challenge is, are, do you really want to be made spiritually well? Are you really open for the changes that God wants to challenge you with this year? Because he will challenge you. But I'll tell you, whenever you follow and you obey him, when you said, you know what, I'm going to walk behind you, I'm going to walk with you, you know what, the joy that fills your heart when you begin to actually step into the truth that he wants. Christianity is not getting saved and having your sins forgiven and putting your feet up and that's the end of it and, and lying up and waiting until he comes to get you. No, it's actually showing the, the world what the kingdom of God is like. It's actually living it out in victory and walking it out in your life. And God wants us to, work, to walk, I believe, this year at a different level, at a level with God where we are maturing where we are growing, where we are beginning to know more and more of his purposes for us, where we know that there is destiny and we're following him and we've already made up our mind we're going to trust him for everything that comes our way this year. Are you up for it? Do you want to be made well? Do you want to be spiritually made well? If you do, then I'm telling you, take your eyes off yourselves and take your eyes off the people around you and stop trying to be people pleasers and start to look to Jesus and say, I'm going to follow you by your power of your spirit. You're going to do it through me because I'm depending upon you. Walk it out. Trust him. Trust him for every moment. Keep in fellowship. Encourage each other. Let's do this thing. Let's see God moving in our lives this year in a way that we've never ever experienced before we're not going to sing this morning uh, uh, we're going to listen to a piece of music and the music is turn your eyes upon Jesus 
And as we listen to this music, I'm going to challenge you because I think there is something, especially at the beginning of the year, there is something about actually physically declaring, I'm up for this. And if you're up to be spiritually made well, and to actually start on a new walk, to rise up from where you are, and to take that thing that pulls you down and put it up in your head and walk out of here declaring, you know what, I have victory in my life because Jesus has paid for this victory, and I'm going to actually work it out in my life. And I'm telling you, I'm going to, I'm going to challenge you right now to come up to the front, and we will pray over you at the front, because I'm, I'm actually going to step down here myself, because I want to say, that's what I want. I want to be spiritually made well. And there's things in my life I know need adjusting that God's challenging me about. So I know he's also speaking to you this morning. Do you want to be made well? Are you up for this thing? Are you up to do the, make the changes that God wants to make in your life so that you will glorify him, so that you will show this world who Jesus is and that you will see his kingdom come? Lord, we just pray now that your word would go right deep into every heart. We're praying, God, that you will do what only you can do, that you will give a revelation to each of us of how much you love us and that we can trust you completely with every situation. Father, we thank you and praise you for who you are and what you're doing in all of our hearts right now, in Jesus' name. Let's just stand up, and as we sing this, even early on, don't wait until the end, come up. As soon as you feel your heart being stirred, and let's make a declaration. I'm going to get down there. I'll be the first person down there to say, Lord, I'm up for this. I want you to make me well, virtually, that I can live for your glory. Amen. And so for everyone who has come to the front to declare that they want to move into this year, walking in the Lord's power, making changes by his strength and by his spirit. And to those who haven't come forward but have resolved in their hearts that this is what they also want, we just declare, O oh God, that you're able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we would ask or think. And so, God, we just commit ourselves to you. We pray for every single woman who has stepped forward. We pray that for all of us that this will be a defining moment for this year, that this will be a moment of understanding, that we do not have to lay down under things, but that we can walk in a different way, that that stuff is actually under our feet, that we are seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And Lord, I pray that you will send us out, Lord, with that stuff no longer pulling us down, but Lord, that we can put our hands up and we can hold it above our head and say, Lord, it's all over to you. It's yours. You know what you're doing. You know how you're leading us. We trust you for the way ahead. And so, Lord, we just thank you for every woman in this place today. And I pray that that revelation by the Holy Spirit of truth in their heart will shine, that you will have a moment where you will receive God's word, which is such mighty power to work in you and to do those things that you're longing to see breakthrough for this year. We just bless you. And we are here at the front of any of you want particular prayer, please come up now and we'll pray for you. But just may you really be blessed as you walk out of here. I just have this picture of you all carrying this stuff and it's holding it up there to the Lord and saying, here it is. That stuff that has been pulling me down, I'm giving it to you. I'm carrying it out of here, but I'm not, it's not, I'm not down there anymore. I'm giving it to you and I'm praising you that you can work all things together for good. Amen. Bless you.